in five, four, three, two, one. I need to double check. I don't have anything in my teeth. I think I'm okay. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Moon Tea Podcast. I think 31, maybe. Um, you know who the co-hosts are today. We have Daniel Che. Hello. <laughs> I don't even really know what the podcast is about, but I'm on here. <laughs> he also goes by DJ. Yes. Um, and... Uh, yeah and I guess you're visiting for a few days and I was like I was like yeah feel free to feel free to stay by the way do you want to be on the podcast and then that's how I roped him into it yeah I'm uh <laughs> I'm staying at John's place so I I feel obliged to uh do this <laughs> uh, but no I'm happy to be on like John mentioned you guys were doing a podcast like two a month or two ago and so mm-hmm. it's cool that you guys are still doing it Excited. So glad to have you on, Daniel. DJ, what do you like to go by? Daniel is great. DJ All right. is a moniker that I use for like business and stuff, but Daniel's cool. All right. Sweet. Cool. Where do you guys want to start? This is I Daniel and I just met right now. Daniel seems awesome. Oh. Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to introduce yourself or John, do you want to introduce Daniel? Up to you guys and go from there. You could introduce me, or what's your uh, impression of me? I guess. Whoa, in deep. Not impression, <laughs> but just like, what did you? How would you introduce me? Yeah, so uh, Daniel and I are, I think, second cousins. Yes. Um, and yeah, we spent a lot of like Thanksgivings together growing up. So our our families know each other, um, and. Mm-hmm um he got married like two months ago, one month ago yeah it's been like a month yeah a month and a half yeah and um he's part of this band called run river north they make great music um also a music producer um and is good at violin Mm -hmm. and probably like four other instruments as well um, so he's he's the he's the like cooler cousin, and then Get I'm the one here. I'm the one that stares at a screen for like eight hours of the day. No way, man! <laughs> if you if you want to be broke like I am, then uh, you can be as cool as you want. <laughs> uh, cool, yeah. Very cool. <laughs> Very broken. That's like it's perfectly interchangeable. <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll hop on to that. Uh, about nine years ago, 10 years ago, um, an opportunity came my way where uh, I could be a part of a band uh, professionally. And so uh, I had to leave my full-time day-to-day job, uh, choose between that or to pursue music for full-time. And, and after a lot of... Uh, uh, thought and uh, going against my parents' wishes, I decided to just go for it. I was like 23 and and figured like this probably won't happen again, so I have to take advantage of this. And so that's kind of how the band started, uh, Run River North. And uh, yeah, and um, at this moment, kind of transitioning into producing full time. So it's a journey, and uh, it's too late to turn back. So <laughs> I'm going for it. 
Yeah, that's kind of me. He was also a like good student and everything, working in finance. So had a traditional like <laughs> like like good job. Yes. And then and then uh, just put that all to the side and pursued music. And I'm I'm sure you had a lot of great stories. Yes. From that. Absolutely. Um, it was costly for sure, but I, I don't think uh, it amounts to the uh, experiences I've had in place of that. So, uh, yeah, I got to do so much and see a lot of the world. And so I wouldn't trade that in. Yeah. That's so cool. It's amazing. What made you do that? What I, I have no doubt that that was a really difficult decision for you, especially probably coming from an Asian American or Asian background. So with that, how did you navigate that at that time and let's and just end up where you are yeah that's uh yeah like it's i'm really underselling how difficult that decision was uh like uh i I really like i still think about how hard i worked throughout like grade school and college to like like get a good job and like i even like determined to finish college in three years to save money you know like like tuition so I wouldn't like go in debt and like I just knew uh I had done music as a teenager like and like really like tried to make it as a in a band and like like I don't know like the teenage version of me like got disappointed very hard because that didn't work out but because it happened so easily uh for Run River North, I just knew that like that opportunity was like uh, once in a lifetime. And uh, yeah, I don't know, something in me was just like, you have to take this. Like, it was funny, we were in Seattle recording. I had saved up three weeks of vacation. So like working two years I, with no vacation so that we could record in Seattle for a month. And two weeks passed by, I get a phone call and they're like, you can't take more than two weeks from, from work. And then, you know, I go back and forth and I say like, Hey, like I saved my vacation days for this, but like they had a policy. You can't take more than four, uh, what is it? 10 consecutive business days. And so I was like, I, I called my, my manager and I was like, Hey, like I have to do this. Is there any way we can make this work? I'll even fly down for the weekend and get like all of my deliverables in. And he was like, no, you can't do it. And like, I like broke down like to my manager, like we, we don't have a professional, I mean, personal relationship, it's just professional. I was like, I'm crying to this man. <laughs> and like, um, I fly down anyway and I finish all my deliverables. And then like on Monday I, I, I come into work and uh, my boss's boss was like, uh, you can't go back. And then I, <laughs> I was like, I have to like we're recording and like they were very careful it's funny like now that I think back they're they're like very careful like so you're saying you're resigning right like like basically they I, I figured that they didn't want to like pay me like what is it like unemployment exactly yeah. firing me and they're like just very careful and I was like yes and then so yeah. I resigned sign sign on the dotted line and then I fly back up and there's <laughs> literally no that's career suicide right there in finance and so um yeah that was 10 years ago and uh yeah to answer your question i knew it was special and i knew it was worth it and i still believe it is like uh 
yeah like i think i was as a 23 year old i was like making six figures and like that probably would have kept going up but that's just a number i don't know yeah it's like sure yeah it, it is like unstable or it's not as stable as i would like it to be sometimes but i think yeah i don't know yeah it's it's, it's i think i chose the right decision yeah that's amazing wow you also made the decision that a lot of other people are well like number one a lot of people go that route kind of like traditional career because because it's like oh i don't really know what i want might as well mm -hmm. do find like a lucrative career mm -hmm. and then the second thing is like a lot of people don't know what to do if not for that because like, i think most people want to work and most people want right. to contribute to society in some way absolutely and so yeah. that kind of lining up was like it's like not not everyone gets that chance like i don't I don't have a band that that's like, hey, we're about to go on tour. Right. Do you wanna right. do you wanna come for three weeks? Like, and Hugh, uh, maybe Hugh does, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish that would be cool. Uh, so cool. So like for Run River North, it it was it was in the forming stages, and so you got to be a core player yes. and have been in it. Wow. Yeah, it's so funny. Like back like back to the teenager story. Like I like by trying hard i meant like we would practice every single day for hours and then like try to like sell tickets to our friends and like like just to hopefully sell out a show but like with run River, it was like it just happened automatically like people would do the work for us or like like word spread and like we didn't have to like grind it out and i think like uh, that was a pretty clear sign that like whoa this is like way bigger than uh I could have forced it or planned it out to be and uh, i don't know i think i just recognized that opportunity and uh yeah for me to go against my parents like we sing we we, we kind of we kind of touch on this in the band like our parents as immigrants uh, like i just imagine like if hugh like me you or, or john like moved to like i don't know like lithuania right like to try to learn their language to hopefully like like hope in the hopes that our kids would have a better life and like just grind it out at like a liquor store for 30 years and then your kid going like uh i'm not gonna like, like just he just like throws it back at your face right like that's essentially like like uh, i don't know that's i, I kind of equate to that to like what i did and uh you know we've they're, they're you know they're so proud of who i am and and we have a great relationship me and my parents but like at the time it was like it was very difficult and uh i knew it was a lot to give up wow that's amazing that's so difficult I, i'm so curious to drill into this a bit more is yeah. to dig deeper on the sense of how did that relationship um first start when you went and did that big career suicide change and switch careers and then how did you all work together to work on the communication it sounds like you have a really yeah. good one now because honestly i'm sure there's so many more out there <laughs> yeah. I, I even you know like. i ultimately think that our relationship got stronger from that like it was like uh we had to communicate in an open way which i had i 
could confidently say we hadn't done up until then. So like for my entire 23 years up until then, like we communicated, but like to tell them like what I want and like to back it up with my actions, I don't think I've ever done that. And so there were tons of fights. I was kicked out of the house a handful of times. I had screaming matches with my mom, but like through those matches, like like as time passed by and like they saw us achieve some success and like they saw how true I felt about this. Um, I think eventually they came around uh, and yeah, this was a multi-year process. It wasn't an overnight thing. It, it was, you know, uh, both sides really digging down and expressing, you know, the truth, which, uh, it's hard to measure when you're in it, you know, but like when you, when you look back, I think, uh, yeah, this is, they know me, you know, and I know them. And I think that there's a maturity in, in relationship in that. That's, I think there's, that's better than like pretending or like having this form of what an idea of a relationship should be. Um, or like, or like checking boxes because yeah. that's what, your parents and the people around you expect from you correct which is a very asian thing i think like uh i don't think that's a bad thing like i i think it's just as asians it's like it's what's expected and and uh we kind of like we kind of touched on scope you know earlier like this is like confucianism i don't know how long it goes back but that was probably what was drilled down into family like behavior for hundreds thousands of years you know and so I don't think it's a bad thing. It just was foreign to both sides, like to, for, for my side and for my parents. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds difficult. It's interesting. You used some really key words there where you said that you knew exactly what you were wanting and it was really a communication issue in the sense of just expressing what it is you truly felt and growing from that. Yeah. How and when do you think you realized? Because I think there's there's a difference where some people have a passion or are really interested in a certain projection in life and and go don't really go down that they kind of go this way or that way and are able to be malleable but for you what is it about music that clicked for you sure and yeah how that's do you a great know? question um this is something i've kind of come across recent more recently but like um i still play violin at like this mega church because you can't say no to church money like god bless them like i love everyone there but like with that said when i play violin at these church services like i don't even like know the songs sometimes this is very embarrassing to share but like i don't even know the songs sometimes but like i know my abilities in that craft so confidently that like that's the one place where i can close my eyes and just like kind of get lost uh like or like you know like when you when you run you're not thinking about like okay like move your you know move your knee up and like, you're not thinking about that in my micro fraction like that it just kind of happens and so like in a similar way like music is like that for me like I know that's one thing that I'm better at than most people and so like that's what I'm gonna like kind of like you know, push my bets into like, put, you know, like push my chips into like, I'm, I'm going to lean on that because I have, I know I have a competitive advantage over other people. Like I wouldn't feel the same way uh, with somebody who like, if I, if I was passionate about like, like 
drawing or like graphic design because like I I can like make something nice I guess but like not to the point where it's just happened you know and uh I think uh yeah knowing that for me recently it like helped me kind of uh in my recent decision to like pursue producing like I, I could close my eyes and um another thing I don't mind losing sleep about it you know like I could work really hard and it's 3 a.m and i'll be like whoa like where did the time go like so i think it's identifying those things and uh yeah but also it's not the difference between passion and um a hobby is knowing that you love it but also being really good at it yeah yeah amazing that's so cool sounds like you have a very, and I would not be surprised uh, and doubt it is, you have a very strong technical understanding of music that has now crossed over with the emotional and the intuitive. And so it sounds like when you play, you're able to just close your eyes and just be in the, the flow state, I suppose. Yes, exactly. That's exactly. Yeah. That's oh, Yeah. It also helps to have, have worked like, professionally with music and then also for the decades before that like training right to get there and so you've you've worked with different musicians and right. different venues and you've you've set up like all the systems in different mm -hmm. places and so yeah I mean it makes sense why music production is is it's like you're still working with artists and creative people and right. and you'll you also have that core competency of of, uh, yeah. yeah like uh you know like the ten thousand ten thousand hours thing like i've put in that times 10 like honestly with music and so like like you know like neo in the matrix who sees like the flying bullet like everyone i think has that it like just within themselves they just have to identify that you know like everyone has spent more than ten thousand hours on something it's just being able to like dig through and and uh identify it and like kind of like start you know chipping away at it i think um yeah amazing cool. what is a what is the production world like um and like how do how do artists get connected with you yeah. and like how do you work with them and like how does that whole process work yeah i think um in a nutshell, the production world is like, um, uh, if you can imagine a movie, somebody has a script, uh, like the role of a producer in 2021 is to be the director and the executor. So like, I would say like, be the director and the, you know, what is it? Uh, what's the film guy, the director of photography, like to execute it and to um, like put things in their place. Uh, I think like anything, now that I'm 33 and I'm starting to figure this out, even that, even music producing, it's a people business. Like, I think it's all about relationships. And I remember like at USC, like my first day at orientation, they're like, it's all about your contacts. And I was like, sure, buddy, like, whatever. Like, but I think I'm really re realized you could be the best at X, Y, and Z, but if you don't, if you're not a good person and you if you don't like bring more people into your world to help others win like it doesn't matter like i can be the best 
like you see that like on youtube like guitar shredders like the fastest guitar person in the world like there's a reason that, that, that they're not john mayer or something or like another ex musician that's famous you know like just because you, you can execute well doesn't mean anything it's it's how you package it and how uh you uh package your product so that the most people can benefit from it uh take your ego aside and so uh in music it's very interesting like it's not about for me i don't think it's about taking advantage of situations it's just literally being a good person and helping the other person achieve their vision like that's when a producer is, is at their best um yeah that's kind of producing in a nutshell but i think like uh there are you know tenets in that that apply to everything in this world yeah like if somebody was coding the world like that is a line of code uh, that was programmed into everything everything like it's about like how the most people can you know benefit from somebody's skill yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome so i feel like uh well first of all what type of genre are you in what is yeah. Run River north is and what is your production like what do you sure. like to do? Run River north is like uh i'd call it indie folk the folk uh 2012 is when the band started and that was like if you can imagine like peak mumford and sons and like uh what was that denver band the hey ho lumineers yeah lumineers, so like that yep. that's kind of that's kind of when remember not birth but then like you know music changes like every single year and um so now you're just like BTS yeah. indie. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. No, I'd be, dope. I'd be so down for that. Yeah, like we've evolved, but like that's kind of what that is. Producing wise, yeah, you never like one thing. I think you just go at the time. Right now, it's like um, Lorem is like a big playlist on Spotify uh, or like it's like indie chill or something. I don't know like how you describe it. It's like bandy music that's like not pop is the way I would describe uh the type of music i do right on like yeah like lo-fi chill hop the chill five i don't know the genres but then i guess with some indie folk mixes in between (laughs) yeah i guess it's like kids who try to be cool or think that they're cool like that's kind of like where i live i don't i'm not like actually i just like try to be so it's like even worse oh this is so good (laughs) this is so good (laughs) (laughs) wow i feel like i don't have too much experience in the music production world but i did watch a black pink documentary oh yeah (laughs) on netflix (laughs) and you know the guy with the mask on he's the producer he's He's a game changer he's he's like the the mastermind behind it all so he, oh my God, like t- talk about 10,000 hours. Like he put in his time since the nineties in this band called DJ Doc. Or one, this other band called 1TYM, one time. Anyway, um, that's when he got to start. And ever since then, he's had his hand, he's had his grips on every Korean production since then, all the way to the point where he's still relevant and doing the biggest, you know, Blackpink. You know, like, the, I think he's, like, one of the richest guys in Korea. Like, through music of all things. Like, Is he a producer? Yeah. He, he I'm sure he has, like, a hundred people under him that write songs for him. But, like, he's the one that slaps his name on at the end. Like, 
he's like built an industry. Uh, but he's like that JYP. Kind of, like, kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he's like a much respect to that guy. <laughs> that's amazing. He's so that's, the good. That's you. That's you in like yeah, that's, four or five I years. I hope right? so. I really hope so. Like, um, yeah. The beauty about music production is um, you get to kind of like dip your hands into a lot of different projects and uh, also attain equity in these projects. Like, whereas for Run River North. It was one project only, and yes, I had a share of that. But uh, as a producer, you have a smaller share, but in like anybody you work with, basically, like so as many other bands as you work. I I, I think that's a viable you know business model. So hopefully something like that. Wow, I'm curious, how does that actually work when you have equity distributions regarding a certain music record, album record, or song or label? Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Um, it's a, like with anything, like relationships get a little tricky when money's introduced. And like, that is a big topic that uh, bands have broken up over, you know. Uh, there's this thing in music, until every party has agreed to the splits, uh, no payment goes out. So there's like, there's like huge songs that have paid out zero royalties because the parties haven't agreed on, uh, the splits like the equity splits and so this is just sitting in a bank account exactly exactly it's just it's it's being held and so like all these royalties are being collected but like yeah so it's like it's it has a lot to do with ego and back to the people thing like i think the more successful producers tend to be ones with less egos and are easier to work with but at at, while simultaneously killing it like crushing like executing at the highest level and uh or your Teddy. And I think like, yeah, he just like, his chip stack is so big. He could just bully people with it. Like uh, the, the Korean guy, the black pink guy. So black is it- pink in your area. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, so it's about, it's about like being, being the person who's, who's like mixing it, but then also, also the person who like, maybe like has a vision for the band that's correct like um yeah there's so many like um there's so many intangible things like factors that go into how a song should be split but that is part of it sometimes like as a producer i could argue hey like this song wouldn't have happened if i didn't step in this and so like give me this share or like yeah it's just this weird conversation that happens all the time and so that's why like managers get involved so the on the creative side, like you don't have to have these awkward conversations. And uh, yeah, a lot of the times it's just a staring contest over email. It's like, I think we should get this. And then the other part were like, no, <laughs> and then just back and forth. Do, do producers have managers or is it producers talking to the other musicians' managers? Uh, at a certain level, most producers have managers so that, you know, it's to the point where they just you know, drive to work or go to work. And then all they have to focus on is the creative side. So, well, no way. So it's kind of like the Hollywood industry where you have yeah. talent uh, sourcers and then you go to the, the tryout or get sourced into a show. Oh, interesting. Yes. And you just go act. Yeah, exactly. Like, and like the, the gatekeepers are the ones like are the labels that have these relationships with all of these producers and, you know, uh, artists and uh, yeah, they just, I think that's what labels are. They just know everybody and can connect you. And so it's very similar. 
yeah with hollywood and i think any industry honestly like that's, mm. that's just yeah there's similar how hard is it to make it without being part of the it's not what you do or what you know but who you know how hard is it to make it in the industry as a non-label i think it's impossible as um like 20 like five years ago i would have said like no it is possible look at x y and z but like i think as time time goes by there's only one frank ocean you know he's like him and chance the rapper and mclemore for some reason like Okay, so like, let's say there, that's three. Let's say there's like six, let's double that. Let's say there's six out of 10 million X, you know, like they did it without, you know, the, like this, like, in, like uh, this entourage of people behind them. And uh, I think it's a rare thing. I think a lot of create, like creator, like musicians want to attain that, but like odds are like you have, a better shot like winning the lotto so yeah what do you think it is is it distribution getting name out advertising i think social media is big i think the like artists being able to reach a massive audience and uh on top of that that's one thing so like right now there's like tiktok stars there's like you know this this one tiktok of this guy playing or this girl playing a song will get like 10 million hits right and then like there's a lot of labels signing these kind of artists now but i'm not saying that's the way to do it the problem is like will the same 10 million people tune in for the next song and so like you see the industry like everyone like hoarding tiktok stars and then now it's like they're kind of stepping away because like they're seeing that that's not a viable model um so back to your question social media is a big thing uh it's being able to reach a, a huge amount of people but then also having them be returned customers like that is a very very difficult task and i think the industry is kind of shifting back to the old model where you just need to develop talent and like build a good product basically you need to build a great product uh that has staying power it's it's like anything in you know business did you uh did you and your band work with the same label the whole time or did you we did um a lot of baby artists like we were signed terrible label deals where you have to deliver like three full-length albums that's basically like signing away 10 years of your life and so that's like basically career suicide uh the label will be like hey like we'll help you be big and then you're locked up for 10 years and it's terrible that labels do that but like um because of the internet and because of social media like artists are gaining leverage to be able to be like, hey, no, like I can make a hundred grand a year without you. Like, what what are you going to do for me that that changes the game? And uh, yeah, there's a lot more. Uh, it's a e- more even playing field now. Uh, but it's fascinating to see how technology always affects, you know, older business models and structures. Like it really it is a, it happens now and it'll continue happening in the future at an accelerating rate, which is frightening. Uh, it's true. Yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> and, and people like you will be the ones uh, drawing the right boxes and designing. Um, <laughs> Hugh, Hugh is a okay, nice, nice. <laughs> uh, no, it's fun. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm so curious in this world. I, I don't, I think John and I are very tech nerdy side of things. And 
it's kind of, it's fun. I, I mean, especially with regards to what one of our passion projects and our studies is the crypto world and blockchain world. Oh yeah, and dude. Yeah. How come we've never <laughs> talked about this? I, I'm actually, I'm as very passionate as well. Yeah. How far, how far down the rabbit hole, like, have you guys gone? Like how, like, when did you guys get started? And like, can we talk about this? Sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, one of the things that I'm super curious about, especially for with having you on is in the music industry, you've got Spotify. And now there's I forget the name of it. Do you know, remember it's, it? It's there's audience. a audience. Yes. Yeah. I was wondering if you had any thoughts, because I was going to be like, so what are your thoughts on Spotify? Yeah. Um, content creators, how are you doing it with audience and or possibly bots on NFTs and or yeah. constant royalties from everything you create? Like what is... <laughs> the heartbeat on this this as a creative and as somebody who's passionate about you know blockchain like i think it's going to be like a messy road like with everything it's like you kind of tumble stumble forward uh the problem with audience right now is i think there's not enough creatives that are interested in in blockchain technology and the problem that audience has to overcome is they need to have as big or some kind of competitive reach as spotify does and like how do you you have to build a great product to do that like you have to when you hit play the song has to play immediately or like when you hit you know search for an artist it, like there's so many like features within spotify that are you know like so many products that are well like integrated into the system like when you search for an artist like related artists come out or like you can see the produce like all these little things right and so i think audience has to get there but from a conceptual point of view like, heck yeah, like if you can get like royalties like that you are deserved for owning that song, come on, like that's that's the dream of a creative, you know? Uh, so like maybe a couple of years out, but I think it's I think it's early. Like I have uh, an artist or like some kind of, yeah, me and my producer partner have started <laughs> an account, but like, I don't, you know, I'm not going to see any money from that. Uh, even like, or, or any kind of soon, even with NFTs, like the musician, music industry's approach has been like, oh, like this is a way we can like sell like a million dollars worth of whatever. And then like, that's, that's it. That's, that's the extent of the knowledge. Like, like they're not trying to think beyond that, like how like game changing this actually is. And so uh, I think it's going to take a lot of awareness of crypto, like to grow uh, throughout the world, but uh, it's early days and, but it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah fascinating stuff <laughs> so good. uh daniel daniel asked how he got started and i'm actually i'm actually curious who how you got started because yeah i like I don't, I don't know i don't know like how you got into it I, i'm trying to remember to be honest i think i had an eye on it for a long time i was working at the apple store as a product specialist i would sell iphones and laptops and everything and i remember there's this one gentleman first time i ever got exposed to it second time was you john um first time was this gentleman quit or no he didn't really well he he was on his free time you get 15 minute breaks and this guy was trading bitcoin and or crypto on his free time and i was like what is happening so this is 2017 i'm not that early of an adopter i first time i ever saw it was when i was in edinburgh and I was studying abroad there in 2014. And mm -hmm. I remember looking at it at $300 and being like, yeah. man, I want, I want to get a Bitcoin. 
and I didn't have $300 in my bank. <laughs> I couldn't, and I didn't ask parents or anything. I couldn't do that. So like, I, I kind of miss that. And then, oh, wait, 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 wait. Actually, I'm really thinking right now. Actually. <laughs> so there's even before that, uh, I had an ex-girlfriend and her brother was really big into tech. And he was the first one that ever mentioned Bitcoin to me. And we were in Hawaii. And he mentioned how he just gave a friend a Bitcoin or two. Wow. And I was like, man, I should get a Bitcoin. Yeah. But I never got into it. <laughs> and it was probably like 50 to 100. Man, we could be millionaires right now. This is terrible. <laughs> no, so I, I, I really started looking into it once John and I started learning out about it. And that was probably like uh, 2018, 2019. I lost a bit on the 2017 craze. And that was my first, you know, burned by the iron. And then I'm like, okay, I need to really figure out what I'm doing here. <laughs> so that's a bummer. How about you? um yeah i guess everyone has the like i could have bought it back then story yeah. i remember seeing an interview with the winklevoss twins yeah and they they had some they had some uh, lofty predictions and i remember going to coinbase and looking at the price seeing that it was like 400 dollars, and thinking these guys have lost their minds <laughs> <laughs> and then uh in in like August of 2017 or September, I was looking for work and I got connected to a uh, now bankrupt company. That, in crypto? Uh, yeah, it was a crypto project and it paid in Bitcoin. Wow. And and then yeah, once I got once I got paid in it on like I was I was on one of the earliest decentralized exchanges. What the heck? Like four years ago. And yeah, when I when I got paid in it, it became very real. And I and I would just like spend all my time researching it. Um and yeah, that was yeah. kind of your exposure to it. Yeah. How about you? Uh mine was pretty early. I think like I saw it around like I saw like Reddit links being shared in like 2013, 14. And then like, I remember clearly the Dogecoin thing. Like, I think people like shared links cause it was a cute picture. But then like, obviously like at the time, like everyone was like, it was so novel and like the barrier to entry was so high. I felt like people like deep in forums, like, like on 4chan and like heavy, like Reddit users were like into it. So I was like, ah, like I'm into tech, but like not that much. Then yeah, on the write up, like 2016, 17, my I, there was a story of a, a guy. We we're on tour, and this guy, uh, <laughs> he was just like, so like we're a band, and there was another band, and then like you play the show, and then you like travel to the next city, not together, but like in different, you caravan, right? And then like, like there was this one stretch where like, like he played a show, and then the next show he was like, oh my god, like, and then the next show he was like, oh my god, like basically he had like. Oh, a hundred Bitcoin, and then it went from like three hundred to two thousand, and then I was like, like, you know, I, I, I study finance. I, I've been trading since twenty twelve. Like that, I, I was like, dude, you have to sell, right? And then he's like, no, no. And then, uh, that he rode that to like four thousand, and then it crashed down to like. 600 and then quickly recovered right but when it crashed i was like i told you right but he didn't sell like fa like fa fast forward a couple months later like bitcoin's twenty thousand, 
he's like i got i got out a little earlier and then like he's like everyone's dming me right now but that was it i was like oh my god like okay bitcoin i'm not gonna buy bitcoin 20,000. so i bought a bunch of eth when it was <laughs> like i think at the time it was like like flirting around 300 400 uh and uh I lost it all. <laughs> I wrote it uh, up and I lost it all. Yeah. So like that was kind of yeah, like the the burn that 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 burned me really hard. Uh 2017. Not just 2017, the whole way down through 2018, 2019, trying to recover that. And uh yeah, but I'm you know, I'm fascinated by it. It's it's pretty terrifying. I turned, I'm happy to say I got two other people rich because of like me telling them to buy it, like in 2019 but um that's better than getting people poor yeah that's great yeah <laughs> the the success of it though is kind of frightening it's like it's like a hedge against like the current world order right like if it does well it's like great for you personally but like do you really want like every i don't know yeah that's kind of like the best case scenario for bitcoin is kind of like oh crap like stuff's gonna be really terrible you know like it could be really terrible and uh yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Our uh, our first like ten episodes, half of them we just talked about Bitcoin. Nice, dude. I would listen. I'm gonna go back and listen. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. No, it's amazing. I'm I'm so curious because my sister, she's an as I wouldn't say an as she is really good at painting, and it's just funny when she was growing up and going to school and college and such. She kind of got like forced into different majors other than art and, you know, background. And so she ended up as a French major art history minor, but was always, always wanted to paint, but then kind of like held back, repressed. So not you didn't go that route and went the other route. And so I feel like she's still, she's doing a good job, but still wants to go down paint and art, art history and being an artist. And so I've been trying to like learn more and I want to learn more. And I'm, I'm curious of like, how does one create an NFT of an artwork or a musical piece that's mm -hmm. physical and a physical manifestation, but then cor correlate it to a digitized unique identifier for that artist. And then how does one create those royalties on it? And like, what are the best platforms? Cause there's so many mm, blockchains now, yeah. like, should you be doing it on? Ethereum, should you be doing it on Cardano? Should you be doing it on, I don't know, whatever rareable thing. This and also an NFT platform. Yeah, right. Rareable, OpenSea, all these things. Right. So I was like, what's going to, yeah, I'm wondering, I'm trying to figure it out. It must be you so sent, hard. You sent me a painting and like an NFT painting like six months ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. You're like, I was. No, I'm just making a count. <laughs> that was like a painting. That was on like the EOS blockchain. It was like <laughs> low gas fees and free minting. And I was like, I'm gonna. Do <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what I'm doing. Like I really don't. As I any of us don't. Before in that same boat. <laughs> but I think it would be really interesting. Um, and 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 I'm just really curious on. Yeah. yeah, like there's some really big, have you heard of the big albums or some big names in music industry have made NFTs? And I, I wish I read more on this. I wasn't prepared that we would go down this route, yeah. but they they like do some pretty big launches. I was like, what do you, what could you do? I'd be yeah. so curious. I think I have a couple of thoughts on that. I think it's, it's perfect for uh, artists who are already like established 
to mm. make that own that you know original digital copy i think uh from like the like music side of things like it doesn't make sense to me like aside like strip out all the novelty of a music nft i think like you know like the 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 ape you know the current ape project like what was what was it the freaking the smart apes whatever yeah uh, anyway no, there's too, okay. many, too many shit coins too, too many yeah too much right no but no, like, no that's the original nft project that like made it big right yeah correct yeah yeah mm. i think i think there's a novelty factor applied to that right if you take that apart like if you take that away like people will point to that because it was like the first one that blew up right from a musician's perspective i feel like you need to be kind of big you know like or you need to either have the first music nft or you need to be like michael jackson and then like mint those you know what i'm saying like i don't yes i i i see like you know the entire value of that ecosystem like skyrocketing but like aside from that i don't see the my case for all of these being that valuable you know i think you you need to like have left a mark significant mark in history or, or be first like mm. everything i'm wrong saying this because everything's going up but like just from a practical perspective, I feel like that it doesn't make sense that like just because something is new, it should be valued that much. And so I think like over time, like, you know, Van Gogh's art wasn't, you know, worth what it was when he died. It skyrocketed after because like people realized how amazing the art was, not because it was rare, like, like he changed the game. And so I don't know, time will tell. It, it's tough. Like, yeah, I think if you're like riding the wave up, like, it, hopefully you're securing you know profits along the way um, yeah yeah i don't it's, know I, no i think that's makes no it makes a lot of sense and i think i just looked it up it's crypto punks there it's you go yeah, 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 yeah yeah just crypto kitties and crypto punks and stuff it's crazy uh, i'm curious you said something super interesting regarding you know it has to be first or it has to be like people who are really famous and such that has the value so and and of course not just just creating an nft project or a piece of art in general of course it, just because it's new doesn't mean that it should be valuable what i'm curious about is what do you think creates value in your music and what you create like why is why would you even like for you what value does your music bring to people do you think that you've seen yeah it's that's it man it's really tough like I can think something that I create like is the like the most important thing in the world, but that's limited to that's limited in scope. That's just limited to my being, right? Like the way something is assigned value is how many other people it impacts, right? So like whether something has mass adoption, like CryptoPunks, it's like terrible at that little like JPEG little you know, 64, I don't even know how many pixels that is, right? But I think what that achieved was it was novel and it was widely adopted. Like people, you know, jumped in on it and kept it, you know, like there was a mass appeal to it. And so um, what I'm trying to say is like, even though something might mean like so much to me, it could be worthless to some somebody else, right? Like the, the, like zero and one like the black and white 
like true false statement of that is how many people does it reach like how widely adopted is something you know how mm. that's how that's how you measure su how successful is something of something right and so i think you can say you can argue that in a personal sense or a very you know literal sense and um to me that it's a, i've never we've never talked about this but i think that's why the stock market is beautiful like i think when you see a chart right you can think everyone you can you can like have a billion different opinions, right? But there's only one result in our version of, you know, parallel, you know, anyway, in our, in our world, there's one result. So that person is right, or that it's, it's the stock market isn't right. It's never right or wrong. It's just measuring who was like, like what happened. It's just like a data entry, like similar to like, you know, that's all it is like, so, I can think I'm so right about something, but be completely wrong because it says right there. And there's something beautiful about that. Like there's very something very ego stripping about that. And I think that's, I don't know, a healthy mindset to adopt in life. Yeah, like no matter how much I believe in something, like there, you have to accept the chance that you're wrong. And even, even if somebody like, like pushes you in because they have that many more chips, like, they're right like that they, they're writing history right there and so i love it that's well said i think from a user experience point of view so as one who like creates product for people and then you test it on users and then you have to iterate and be like i think this button layout with this input layout with this table view here looks amazing however if you throw it in some front of somebody they like don't even know where to click sometimes you're like i thought it was great and then you have to go through it and then you also realize you have to learn about your user personas and who you're building the product for. Mm. I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, I mean, for Moonty podcast, we just kind of do this so that we hang out and talk with really cool people. I, mean, I don't, we, I don't, we're not really focused. We're focused on just creating an enjoyable experience for anyone, but it's not this way. But I'm, I'm curious in the sense of for, for your music, especially with Run River North and or what you're producing now. Sure, maybe it's not, you know, I don't know what it, success defined yeah, by really metrics right. is, right. but from the users that not users, the listeners and fans that you have, what do you think it is that resonated with them about what you created is what I'm kind of curious about. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I think it meant for our, you know, X number of fans, like it meant something to them, right? Like the scope, although limited, impacted that number of people you know not it might not have been a billion people but it, it was like forty thousand people you know for example and to those forty thousand people it meant something big to them um like you know but like i think like kind of pivoting here like i don't think that's determines my worth though like it might in a capitalistic you know point of view like oh you you only had forty thousand followers you know but like for me as an individual, like I have the freedom to say like, that's, that's more than enough for me. Like I'm cool with that. Like I, I was able to leave this mark. Um, for me, I think something has success if it's unique and uh, like if there was a, an order of events, it'd be like, if it's unique and original second is if it lasts a long time, if you can go back to it in like 20 years and be like, wow, this still has the same impact. And then, and then three, like how many people it reached? Like, I think that's a good kind of like, you know, metric to uh, ascribe the success of something. Uh, 
that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care what I say. I think I think Daniel's underselling himself in the band. Like they have they have a lot of like super fans. I went to one of their concerts. It was a lot of fun, and like like he also he also got to like tour like around the world, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just like what what an experience and to be like. I feel like I feel like the best kind of fame is where the people who recognize you are the people who like who like respect your work. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not it's not like Justin Bieber level of fame where he can't go grocery shopping anymore, but like the Ben, I mean the Ben was signed to a to a label like went on for 10 years. They were on Jimmy Kimmel. Um yeah. and they're also, yeah, I mean, it's like a super cool experience. That's amazing. Thank you. Wow. Very nice of you. Yeah. Um, wow. That's, yeah, you're a humble guy. I definitely can tell. That's awesome. <laughs> um, oh, and one, one more thing I just want to say is, uh, let's say, let's say among, among the like Asian Americans in the world, let's say, thanks, like, Daniel did not go this route, and we had we had one more finance person in the world. <laughs> sure. One one time, I met I met a, I met this Jewish guy, and I was like, I I I think I asked him what he did for work, and he was like, I'm a lawyer, because I thought I thought the world needed another Jewish lawyer. <laughs> but that's really funny. Self aware. Yeah, but but yeah, there's there's that universe where Daniel became a like a another finance person i think i think he made a lot of impact just for in the creative world and the music industry world and then also like personal fulfillment like whatever that means right so and you're still alive and you're still healthy and you have some skills so i'm i'm successful as you know like (laughs) if you describe it like that like yeah i i'm i i have no regrets what's that you know that guy with the no regrets yeah I, I, I would get a tattoo <laughs> wait you don't have one yet i have like three <laughs> of his face with the art anyway um yeah like i'm like i wouldn't trade any any of my experiences for you know more dollars in a house like it's worth it to me like and uh yeah, I, I'm interested in things that last, you know, like in, in this life and, you know, hopefully beyond. Um, yeah, that's why maybe I'm attracted to NFTs and, you know, there's <laughs> there's like a, I'm honestly scared about the future, like, like the, the rate at which things are, you know, accelerating, like, it's pretty frightening, honestly, yeah. <laughs> it's a fear of the unknown we just got to learn more together oh no yes. um, it's so tiring <laughs> it is tiring yeah. <laughs> seriously it's fatiguing uh, i'm curious though you said something that was i'd love to ask another question on you said you know creating like really quality con- like music that's original possibly you know original in its sense um impactful and then um has a lot of vibing with a lot of users and user bases and then previously you also said your music meant something big to your uh, listeners so what do big and impactful mean to you in those senses 
Yeah, I think like um, there's I, you can this goes back to the quantity versus quality, you know, uh, whatever. You know, those beautiful. Like, Great. Uh, yeah. Like to me, their uh, lives have been impacted not quantitatively, but by qualitative qualitatively like they they found some sort of a connection with the artist that, you know, allowed them to do, you know, live their life, uh, uh, you know, more a certain way, you know, um, qualitatively. Yeah, let's let's cap it at 50,000 people like I'm cool with that. That's great. <laughs> like if I if I die tomorrow, like, heck, yeah, I'll take that, you know, like it's better than being the another another finance guy like like you mentioned like 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 me <laughs> no no don't know that's not I'm you kidding. will impact people in your own way you know this is just my journey and uh that was the you know honestly that was the bargain that like that was the thinking that went on when i made the decisions like uh i could like live my american dream really great like if i just keep doing this but like uh, let's swing for the fences yeah i like taking risks Got it. So like creating things that aren't just for fame and money, but to create meaningful impact in people's lives to make them better and or have them change things or have positive influences in what they do on a day to day basis and or make them better people and or live life in a better way and get through things. Exactly. I, I'm pretty sure yeah. I wrote that in my journal somewhere, word for word. It's like amazing. So like, how do you translate that to NFTs is the question with music. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, yeah, that's a trick question. <laughs> that's the curious part. No, I genuinely think so. Because you were mentioning how like, and, I, and I've been trying to think about it too. It's like, it's not just because you make a new CryptoPunk V3. It's not going to be famous. It's not original anymore. Sure. Done. Uh, it's not by some prolific band that's already well known has a massive fan base sure that's already created value for people sure mm -hmm. so like when you're creating new content or creating new content really and beautiful products and or music how does like how do you how do artists think and content creators think about nfts as a tool to support their goal and if your goal is to create value for people how do nfts create value for people and or connect you with your community that's a difficult question. I think like it's hard to extrapolate out like what it what it means to people. But I, I do what I will say, like the attractive factor, the attractive pull of NFTs in music specifically is that uh, there is some type of equity, like fairness that will be achieved. Like there's a lot of like uh, unfair, like, you know, our band, for example, like when I think back at our manager, we signed with like this big shot manager. And he was like, I'm going to get your record deal. And he did, right? He got us a lot of money, but split six ways. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was a lot of money. But he didn't tell us that we'd be trapped for 10 years. You know, like as a manager, he got his 15%. Like he's like, boom, boom, boom. Like that's easy for him, right? And so there's a lot of like, uh, like preying on like uh, P-R-E-Y-E-I-N-G, like on kind of naive uh you know, teenagers, honestly, and kids that don't understand what they're signing. And uh, that's just one aspect. Another aspect is royalty collection or like being able to transparently track, you know, how much value something, uh, you know, how, how much royalty should be paid out. There's, there's that, there's a lot of like middlemen in the music industry, like there's managers who negotiate stuff. And then there's, there's like companies that their only job is to like, listen to like, 
if your song was played on the radio and then go after that money like there's a lot of that and so like nfts blockchain addresses a lot of these uh you know but yeah we'll we'll stumble forward and figure out how that looks like somebody will create a product so good that like the masses will you know flock to it and hopefully yeah yeah we'll see yeah i am keeping an ear to that though when you sign your record label was it a 10-year contract no but like it's three albums and you know an album takes a while not only that like if, if you saw like on a contract like oh you owe us three albums like sure like we'll knock that out in like a year like that's not the case like what it doesn't say is like the album has to be approved by like all of these people at the label and then like they have the authority to say no that we're not accepting this song and so like oh. you know like like guesstimate it out that's like it's like a 10-year thing so did you know that going in no oh you thought it would be like we thought we maybe two years yeah and not even that we had somebody in a band in another contract and he thought he knew everything and he still didn't wasn't able to see that and so like there's a lot of yeah not so nice Mm. things that happen did you is it done though you complete that contract yeah so like what i will say is like if anything comes out of this i will promote the crap out of is like we have one song called spiders right that we own completely and it's like it has like two like two point something million streams like so every time that thing streams like we we literally see money and like it's not a lot of money Ooh. but like the it's not it's like less than a hundred a month but knowing that I own that is such a good feeling like that it doesn't filter down through like four hands like it's one of the best feelings and so what's listen, the listen to that song Run River North Spiders let's let's see uh. <laughs> what's the best platform is it spotify or uh, apple pays the most apple pays the most? okay yeah. we'll put the link to the uh, apple link for that song <laughs> yeah. check the show notes below <laughs> uh and uh yeah we're, we're coming towards the end of the podcast and one thing we ask all our guests is do you have any uh parting thoughts or like words of wisdom for oh, our yeah. uh, two or three listeners so like, <laughs> uh my sister my girlfriend, Hugh's <laughs> parents, not even my parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I, um, I have some thoughts. I think, uh, yeah, I would encourage people. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll leave this. Um, on my grandpa's deathbed, uh, on my mom's side, um, he painted this beautiful, like, there's in Korean, like, folk art, there's, like, like, they were really, like, you were educated if you were able to, like, paint uh, calligraphy really beautifully. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's, like, similar in, in a lot of Asian cultures, right? But on his deathbed, there's this big thing, like, this banner on, like, right next to him. And then I was, like, what, what is this? Like, who made this? And then, like, my dad pointed out, oh, he wrote this. And then it was in Chinese. It was in Hanja. And uh, I was like, what do you, what does this mean? And uh, basically it said like, don't rush to the finish line, enjoy the path and walk slowly. And like, I'm the opposite of that. (laughs) I'm like, always like trying to get to the finish line. I like, I want to achieve X and Y goal. And I'm, my grandpa's blood is in me. Like he knew enough 
he knew himself enough to write that like and hang that next to his deathbed like i think there's some wisdom there like mm. it's not about getting to the finish line right like this is like this is nothing new under the sun like we've all heard this but like really enjoy life like i think this it's special you know and it's it's fleeting and we're all gonna die and like i'm not gonna rush to the end like i really want to even if it's like for people listening to this like i'm gonna enjoy those people listening to this enjoy what's in front of you and uh I think honestly, like in a twisted way, that'll lead to the most successful version of you, you know, because you're being a quality person and, and not using people. And so, yeah, I, as you can see, I ramble and I think a lot. So thanks for giving me this opportunity <laughs> to share these thoughts. That's what we have the podcast for, <laughs> to let people ramble. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, Truly, honestly, Daniel. Thank you so, so much for coming on to another episode of the Moon Tea Podcast. Go Moon Tea, I'll push this thing. <laughs> That's um, amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I look forward to hanging out with you in person, man. Oh, first beer's on me if you drink. If not, I'll get water. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so this is for anyone tuning in. It's a, a podcast where we talk about craft, community, building meaningful careers and really anything else. And we hopefully will continue to have amazing and super interesting guests such as Daniel. Please tune in to Run River North and uh, it was Spiders, right? Yes, yeah, Spiders. I have those in the show links below. See you next week. Thanks again. Cheers. Bye.